Greetings, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Communication Guru Podcast, where we believe it is not always what you say, but how you say it that matters the most. I'm your host, Tim McMurtry, president and CEO of Tim McMurtry International LLC, a business consultancy specializing in personal development and training, government and public affairs, along with corporate and community relations. I'm delighted to have you join us today, and I thank you for your listenership and viewership of this show. Our aim on this platform is to discuss the nuances and insights relative to the communication continuum to help you maximize the impact and results of effective communication within your own personal sphere of influence, be it your relationships, be it your business, be it the workplace, be it, you know, you having fun and kicking it or any other endeavor that you find yourself within. We're here to help you to become a top-notch communicator. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified when new episodes have been uploaded and are available for public consumption. So as we move on in life, be it going from one year to the next, from one birthday to the next, from one breakthrough to the next, or one situation to the next, it is important that we maintain a posture of advancement and improvement. You know, you always want to be thinking about moving forward. You always want to have forward progress at the forefront of your mind. No one ever wants to feel stuck. Like, man, my life is in a rut. Man, it seems like every time I take one step forward, I take two steps back. Nobody wants to feel that way, including you. And so there are some steps that you can take to not feel like that. And although we sometimes have to pause or maintain our best disposition in a certain place for a minute or two as life happens, so long as we can see ahead, we can extract fuel for better days ahead. You know, we can get hope. We can stay hopeful in that situation and it can keep us, you know, motivated until our breakthrough comes. And so if we have to endure something less desirable for a season, we have the wherewithal to be able to do that. You know, because sometimes you have to, you know, stay in a place for a minute because there are some lessons you need to learn, some perseverance you need to build, you know, some things, some adversity. You know, adversity has its benefits if you can learn from it. I remember working for a common council president here in the city of Milwaukee some years ago, and he was telling me about this time he went out to lunch with this gentleman who owned some petroleum companies. Uh, and he was sharing how he immigrated to America and how he came when he first came. He didn't have much and he bought his first gas station. And when he bought that first gas station, he said that he had a wife and a young son at the time, but he wanted to put his all into, you know, building his business, building his, his business enterprise. And so what he did was he said he would grab a, a, a mattress. He put a mattress behind the counter where the cash register was because some nights he spent the night at the gas station, didn't even go home, just spent the night there. He said that, he, you know, and he, he built on some stuff and, you know, just kind of sharing some of the hardships that he endured when he first got started. But at the time of this conversation that he had with this common council president, he was, you know, a big wig, you know, had multiple locations, think multiple states. He was a mogul of petroleum. Anyway, he also shared that in his country, I forget which country he came from, somewhere in the Middle East, he said that what they would do when they wanted to overturn a monarchy, because they had, you know, kings there, it was kingdoms there. It wasn't a democracy. It was a monarchy. Whoever the king was, he set the rules and whatever he said goes, it went. So when they didn't like the fam, the ruling family, what they would do, he said, is spoil the son is what he called it. And spoiling the son is simply um, not allowing the son who was born to that king, you know, firstborn son, usually heir to the throne. They wouldn't let him work. They wouldn't let him have any hardship. They would always pamper him, put him on a pedestal and, you know, let everything, you know, work out in his favor at all times so that when adversity would come, he would not have built up any intestinal fortitude, any resiliency you know, any strength of character, any sort of resistance because everything was always given to him. In a similar fashion, sometimes we go sometimes we go through things in life not to destroy us, but to be used or leveraged as a building block 
to help us develop and mature other aspects of our life. So when a storm does come, we don't get off our square simply because we're facing a storm. We kick into overcome storm mode. And sometimes if you've never faced anything, you don't have an opportunity to build up that muscle. But through use and skillful application, you can build up the muscle of resilience to overcome adversity. So if you have to be in a situation for a minute, that's not the end of the world. This too shall pass. But you have to be able to maintain a certain disposition that's not defeatist, but ever optimistic, knowing that what you desire will ultimately come into your hands if you can persist in that assumption of of, of having it. And so to this end, on today's show, I want to explore three keys to elevated thinking and living. Over the past couple of years, I've really just um, come into the revelation of how important a factor the mind plays in one's quality of life, you know, including my own. Your mindset ain't no joke. You know, for a long time, I thought that, you know, if you were talented, and gifted, and you know, had certain education, had certain connections, that was the way to, to go. And all those things certainly can be positive attributes, but there's no bigger asset than you have than the strength of your mind. And the mind is powerful enough to get you some stuff, even if you ain't got no help. But it's also powerful enough to stop you from moving forward, even if you have all the help in the world. You know, you come across some people who say, man, this person had all this going for them. They had this, they had that, they had this, they had that. What, what happened? Their mind wasn't right. You can think about, you know, celebrities, you know, Robin Williams comes to mind, the comedian and the actor. And, you know, he was, you know, cold, world renowned and from Mork and Mindy to Goodwill Hunting to uh, Miss Doubtfire and all that kind of, he's a movie star, all that kind of stuff. Had money, had the ladies, you know, had groupies, had all the accoutrements that you would think would be successful, but he committed suicide. Now, why would you have all of that stuff and you take your own self out? What was the issue? His mind wasn't right. So all the stuff is cool, you know, but if your mind is not right, it's all for naught. It can be destructive. So to this end, again, we want to talk about on today's show three keys to elevated thinking and living. And those three keys are the following uh, creative imagination, consistent courage and deliberate words and actions. Again. Those keys are creative imagination, consistent courage, and deliberate words and action. Now, these aren't the only things that, you know, help you to achieve elevated thinking and living. However, I don't think you're going to find three things that are more important than these three. And so we're going to go into them uh, in, in some detail just to help us to live our best lives. I mean, as I, you know, I've gotten older and even over the course of the pandemic, pandemic was a disruptive force in many respects because, you know, stuff was not able to be done. You know, you couldn't fly, you couldn't go places, depending upon where you are and for as far as your region and the world where you live, uh, you couldn't necessarily really leave the house. You could go to the grocery store and back home. You know, if you had loved ones that were in the hospital, you couldn't even go in there and see them. They had to be in isolation. And so things were different and it forced many of us, me included, to reflect on what's really most important. Some people, you know, lost loved ones. You know, may they rest in peace and our condolences go out to you all who have lost people. Um, but even in that, you know, it forced us to look at things in a way that we might not have looked at them either at all or hadn't looked at in a very, very long time. And so for me, it really uh, forced me to look inward to see what's going on on the inside of you, young man. I know you think you got it going on and low key I do. Um, but there are some things you can improve upon because, you know, you go from, as I heard one theologian say, there's a couple of stages that you go through when you, you know, try to maximize your life. You go from competence. That means you have a general understanding of how something works. Then you go to skilled. That means you kind of know how to do something. And then you go from skilled to being an expert. 
And once you are an expert at it, you okay, you're better than most. And as you continue in your expertise, you go to being a master. That means that you're in rarefied air. And then from master, you go to world class. So you go from competence to skilled to expert to master to world class. And what we want to be able to do is do world class living. We want to be able to do world class thinking, you know, and that takes effort and it takes skill. I remember when I got back into the gym, I would uh, and, and things are cumulative. So if you don't get it right away, that's OK. If you consistently stay with something, it will in time as you are skillfully applying it, you will grow your skill and increase your capacity. When I first got back into the gym, I was, you know, one to get back, you know, just be a bit more active, be a bit more healthy, you know, bring the sexy back, so to speak, you know. <laughs> anyway, I went to do bench press. Now, back in the day, I used to lift weights on a regular basis from high school, even into my early 20s. But then, you know, life happens and that couch and that remote got a hold of me. So my lifting and ex exercise kind of went into semi hiatus. So I got a membership back at, you know, local YMCA and began going back in there. And first my mind was made up to go back in there. So now my, where your mind goes, your body will follow. So as I was going back into the gym, I wanted to, you know, bench press. And I remember, you know, like the barbell on a bench weighs 45 pounds. And typically you want to put the largest weight on each side. The largest weight is 45 pounds. So 45 pounds, you have a 45 pound weight on each side of the barbell, your bench press will be 135 pounds. Those two 45s, 90, and the 45 pound bar, another 45, those three added together is 135. And I remember I couldn't bench that. That was too heavy for me because I had been out of the gym and your muscles, if you don't use them, they begin to atrophy, which means kind of disintegrate or, or retract. And so I was like, oh, this ain't going to work. And I remember saying, man, I used to be able to bench press more than this. Me not going to the gym has lessened my strength. And it did. Short story shorter, here we, is, here we are now, about two and a half years later, I now can not only bench 135, I can bench 315 now. 315, that's 345 plates on each side. So on the right side of that bar, I can put 345s on there. On the left side, I can put 345s on there. That's 315, 315 pounds. Now, how did I do that? I went from not being able to bench press 135, but going into the gym every single day, doing upper body on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, lower body on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Over time, I was able to increase the weight I could bench press. So in a similar fashion, if we want to improve our living and our thinking, we have to incrementally increase our capacity to think better. And it will result in us incrementally living better. So creative imagination is the first piece that I wanted to talk about here. And I'm going to go through some scriptures today because the Bible is not only a theological history lesson, it also gives us some psychological blueprints that we can implement to live our best life. You know what I'm saying? Living my life like it's golden, living my life like it's golden, living my life like it's golden. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, living, living. <laughs> I felt a preach coming out. Ah, Anyway, creative imagination. We're going to get to that first. So in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 3, listen to this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Okay? And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, we often skip over that scripture, that part right there. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Then verse three, it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. So God said it, it happened. 
His words were full of power, full of creative juices. And when he said something, it happened. But before he said anything, the spirit moved upon the face of the waters, meaning that in God's imagination, he was creating some stuff. And when he spoke it, what came out was reflective of what he had imagined. So for you to live better, you're going to have to imagine better. Imaginate. <laughs> if that ain't a word, it is now. You're going to have to imaginate better. And for many of us, that's an area of discipline that we've kind of leave kind of loosey-goosey. We'll go on a diet. We'll do the Atkins diet or we'll go on keto diet or whatever diet we do. But our mind can be running wild like a stallion. Mm-mm. Bring some diet to your mind. <laughs> Revelation right there, boy. That's bars. Put your mind on a diet. Don't feed it junk food. I feel the spirit of God in this place right now. So your mind has to be disciplined. Only let your mind think about, ponder, ruminate the things that you desire. Now, if you're going through a bad situation, don't keep rehearsing it in your mind. Man, this situation is so bad. This situation is so bad. See, people always, uh-uh. See, what you're doing is you're building a stronghold in your mind off that situation. Now, you can acknowledge stuff that's foul, but once you acknowledge it, now you have to go immediately into the sensory perception of what do I desire. So if you going through something you don't desire, stop thinking about that part and force your mind to think about your best case scenario. And think about it over and over and over and over again. Why? Because as you put it in your mind, your mind is creating it in the spirit and then it will be manifest in the physical realm. Over in Genesis chapter number two, everything that we have, everything that we desire has already been created. You know what I'm saying? It already has been created. And so. Genesis chapter number two, uh, verses one through three, it speaks about how God had finished. He finished creation and everything that he had created. It was good. OK. And it, then it said he went to the seventh day and on the seventh day he rested because everything that he created was already very good. So that means that if everything was already created in the first six days and on the seventh day he rested, everything that you desire is already in creation. God doesn't have to create anything else. Why? Not because he don't want to, not because he don't want you to have stuff, because he already did it. So if you already got, like let's say you done cooked the cake, right? And somebody say, hey, when you, you, would you bake me a cake? You can say, nope. Why won't you bake me a cake? Because it's on the counter over there. Go over to the counter and get that cake that I already, already made the cake. Same thing with God and creation. His is already done. Okay. So for you, the reason why you can even imagine best case scenarios for you, the reason why you can imagine better than what you've ever experienced thus far in life is because that which was created or that, that's, that which you are imagining or can imagine is already been created. So you just have to go to the unseen realm of creation and pull it down into the natural. That's creative imagination. That's what it does. Also in Genesis uh, chapter six, it was talking about how, you know, God had told the people to, hey, um, go to different lands, do this, you know, spread things around because he wanted, you know, the whole earth to be replenished, you know, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, take dominion, you know, and subdue it. And that's the order that he had given. But the people, the early people that walked around in the earth, they didn't obey that. They went and did their own thing. I'll read it for you. It says, and it came to pass, this is Genesis chapter six, verses one. Actually, we want to do Genesis, I think it's chapter 11. Yeah, Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 6. He was telling them, to, you know, do some stuff. But check out, check out the, the power of the imagination. 
It says, and the whole earth was with, was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the people had built it. And the verse six says, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Okay, they was thinking this is what we going to do their imagination. They began to see it. They began to build it. They began to put the architectural designs together. They began to see that thing in their mind first. So tough to where it got the attention of God. He said, hold on a minute. These jokers, they they done got this thing together. And they, they're figuring out how to manifest. Now they done got to the point that they ain't going to be able to not do nothing that they've imagined to do. They've learned how to use their imagination to bring stuff to pass. In a similar fashion, you have to use your imagination first. So before you go to moving and taking moves and taking action, make sure that your mindset has a picture, a commercial, a trailer of what it is you are looking to accomplish. One last scripture here, and I'm going to move on to my last two points, and I'm almost done. Over in 1 Peter, and the reason why I'm going through this in this level of detail is because I want to anchor this because sometimes you can be in a situation, you know, you had a good conversation. The Bible says that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Excuse me. Meaning that, you know, somebody getting some good news, it can really, you know, can stir your soul up. You know, you ever heard somebody speak and you were inspired or motivated or moved or they said something that gave you some revelation like, ah, I never saw it like that. But based on something that somebody said, you now have seen something a certain kind of a way. So words have, you know, power. So as you get inspired by words, you also want to have enough strength to be able to weather the storm if the storm comes, if what you are imagining and believing that you've already received, if it doesn't manifest physically in your hands as quick as you want it to be, you don't want to be discouraged. So you want to be able to have anchors to your mindset so that you can be unmoved by the storm. Like the, what was the story? The three little pigs, they had a, a house built of sand, the one built of straw, one built of brick. Big bad wolf came and blew the house down or the wind came or something. But the only one that stood up was the one that was made of brick. You want your mind to be made of brick-like fortitude in its determination to see in your hands what you can see in your mind. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 reads as follows. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. I'm still on creative imagination. You imagining what you want to see, be, do, and have. Verse three, blessed be the God of our father, our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Check this out. To an inheritance uncorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Read that again. It's verse four. To an inheritance. Inheritance means you got something coming to you that was left for you. I'm going to let that breathe, as D-Nice would say in this little club quarantine. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. I'm going to let that breathe for a minute. An inheritance. You have an inheritance of what? It's incorruptible and undefiled and fadeth not away. Well, I thought I'd get my inheritance by the time I was 16. Here I am now, I'm 47, yet my inheritance might be gone. It said it fadeth not away. So it ain't deteriorating at all. It's still intact. Well, I thought I'd have my inheritance by the time I turned 21, and now I'm 56, and I did this, and I didn't take opportunity to do dibby dibby. It fadeth not away. So shut up. 
and dry them tears. And when you get your inheritance, break me off some of that Kit Kat bar, too, for helping you realize you got an inheritance. Bars. So, undefiled and that faith is not a weight reserved in heaven for you. So it's reserved for you. It doesn't even say, and you can only get it when you turn 97. And you can only get it when you die. And you can, it don't say that. It say, hey man, the stuff that you desire is reserved in a place, heaven, for you. Meaning that as soon as you can get your mind all the way right, you can pull it from that place of reservation, heaven, to your natural, physical, real-time todayness. Why? Because he said on the sixth day, he, everything he created was good, and on the seventh day he rested. He, he, he was done from creation. So he finished creation, all the stuff you was ever going to want, even before you was born, it says in here, uh, blessed be the God of our Father, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But it says elect according to the foreknowledge, foreknowledge, foreknowledge. That means before. So before you were born, back in the 1600s, God knew that you was going to be alive in 2021. That's called foreknowledge. Anyway, so after he created everything, he put it in a place, a holding place in heaven, reserved for you to be able to come and pull it down from heaven into the now. Last night, I went out to, to dinner with my wife. We have date nights on Fridays, and um, I made a reservation. I made the reservation, I think, on Wednesday for Friday. So it was reserved for me, even though I wasn't going to use it until Friday. By the time Friday came, my reservation didn't run out. Well, sir, you made it on Wednesday, and we done filled up your spot because you didn't take it on Wednesday. No, it's reserved. That spot is reserved for two for me. So whenever I get to it, it needs to be there for me. And guess what? The reserved two spots was there for me, even though I reserved them on Wednesday and didn't use them until Friday. God has reserved blessings for you. Those things that you can see, those things that you can dare to imagine, those things that in your dream that you can visualize. He already has a reservation for you for them. You just got to pull them from the reserved area into your hands. Lord Jesus. And how do you do that? You picture them in your mind and then you wrap your feelings around what would it be like if I had that in my hand and the combination of you visualizing it or seeing it and you adding your feeling to feeling like you already have it. Those two act in combination to give creative power to burst that from the spirit into your physical manifestation being. Whew. I could wrap up this whole show with just that right there, but I'm not. I got two more points. Then I'm going to be gone. How about that? How about that? How about that? Yeah. yeah. We're going to go over to Joshua now. Two more scriptures and I'm going to be done. So that was creative imagination. Now we're going to talk about consistent courage and I'm going to wrap up with deliberate words and action and we're going to be done. Consistent courage. Now, after you have planned or pruned your mind of all weeds of doubt and can consistently maintain your expectation of what you want to see, be, do and have, you need to have consistent courage. OK, now the mind work. Now, listen, now it's, it's, it's a skill development because you'd be surprised at how many different thoughts come through our mind on a daily basis that are not positive. You know, then you add in, you know, you scrolling through social media, you watching the news, listening to the radio. It's a lot of bad news out there. And if you wrap your feelings around that news, guess what? That might be some seed song that might either delay what you really desire or bring some stuff into your life that you really didn't want. So you're going to have to really be like a gardener of your mind. And as thoughts come up, Bible talks about casting down imagination and high things and every high thing that that that. Uh, that, 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 that comes against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. So you're going to have to actively steward your mind, steward your thoughts. Again, putting your mind on a diet. My mind can only think certain things. It can only, you know, eat certain things and that's it. So if you want to diet, you want a no sugar diet, you can't get no chocolate cake. 
from Big Mama house at Christmas. If you want a diet, uh-uh, you want some cake? No, ma'am, I'm a pad. You don't want to, you, this your favorite? Ma'am, I don't want none. Please don't keep asking me, please. And you got to say it respectfully because you don't want to get a shoe thrown at you or something. But, you know, you restrict what you intake. Same thing with your mind. You got to restrict that thing or else all kind of funky stuff will be coming in there. So once you have in your mind, okay, this is what I desire. Now it's about, okay, now what deliberate actions or word do I need to begin to say and keep on saying that are in tandem with what my imagination and my vision is and are? Okay. Your internal speech, not just what you say out loud, but what you say on the inside, what you be thinking about. So when you're thinking about something, that's internal speech. That's the inside of you talking to you. That got to be lined up with what your imagination is. So if your imagination is for a big old house, you can't be saying, man, I ain't going to never get no big house. Shut up. Internally. Why? Because that's going to frustrate the process of it manifesting. Again, consistent courage. Check this out. Joshua, chapter number one, it said, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. Okay. Now dig out, dig, dig where this is. No, next verse, verse two. Moses, my servant is dead. This is God talking to Joshua. Hey man, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore, I'm talking to you. You get up, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. So he was telling him to go to the promised land. Now the dude that I originally drafted to do this, Moses, as cold as he was, he was the Michael Jordan of the children of Israel. He parted the Red Sea. He led them jokers out of Egypt. I mean, he did some stuff. He, you know, he had water and stuff coming from a rock. A lot of miraculous things he did, but he also disobeyed God. And one time God told him to speak to something instead of speaking to it, he hid it because he was frustrated by the people. That's a sign to us. Don't let people frustrate you because if people frustrate you to the point that you take the wrong action, you can be jacked out of the best that God has for you based on how the next man made you feel. So don't let them jokers make you feel a certain kind of way. Again, put your mind and your feelings on a diet. I only feel certain things. Other things, I don't even feel them. And you can practice it. Well, I'm, I'm just human, right? you human enough to practice it and get better at it. I told you, I couldn't lift 135 pounds. I wasn't that strong. But consistently working on that now I can do three times that just about. Uh-huh. Same thing with your mind. Anyway, let's keep reading. Moses, my servant, is dead. So he was a Michael Jordan and stuff. Now God is telling Joshua, you, sir, need to do what that joker wasn't able to do. It's like, wait a minute, man. If that joker couldn't do it, what we'll make you think I can do it? Well, let's keep reading. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and this people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. Now, what he's talking about now is this is the kind of mindset you have to have, young man. Okay, this is the kind of courage that you're going to have to have. I don't need you thinking, man, if Moses can do it, make you think I can do it. That's the wrong thought. Shut up. If Moses can do it, make you think I can do it. You don't need to be saying that. Nobody in my family's ever done that before. I'm black. They don't let black people do that. I'm a woman. They don't let women do this. I'm, I'm, I'm too old. For them. I'm too young. Them. All of this. Shut up is what he's saying. And not only shut up, but replace what you were saying that you now shutting up from saying with this mindset. And if you got to say something, say this. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given you, as I said unto Moses. Verse four, from the wilderness to this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not be any man. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will be with thee as I was with Moses so will I be with thee I will not fail thee nor forsake thee meaning that hey man is what I'm thinking about is that too big to even happen no he said hey man I ain't gonna leave you I ain't gonna fail you I ain't gonna forsake you think as big as you can think outthink your biggest thoughts that you've ever had before and know that I'm with you every step of the way. I being God, the joker that created you. I know what's in you. I put it in there. Uh-huh. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Verse 6. Be strong. This is what he's telling you. Again, again, replace that trash in your mind with this 
mindset. And many a time, you all, I'm telling you, I've had to say this out loud when I was working on different developments with developers and we were facing opposition from people that didn't want the development to come forward. And we were trying to get money from municipal governments to do some gap financing, $9.3 million. People telling me, hey, man, it's a whole lot of people don't want this to happen. You don't know how many people have been trying to sabotage this behind y'all back. This is what officials in government were telling me in private conversations. So I would have to go and read this and say it out loud. Be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear to give the fathers, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Verse number seven, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou may observe to do according to all the law. So I have to tell myself, Tim, only be strong and very courageous. Don't be scared of them jokers that's trying to get you. You all got this. I would have to say this to myself. We got the money and we got the building. The building's been built as well. It was the largest building west of, uh, of the river in downtown Milwaukee. So it be working is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, last two verses. It says, turn not from the right hand, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Ooh, let me back this up. This is, now listen to this, listen to this. This is God, he's still talking to Joshua. Hey man, look, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to be thinking like this. I want you to be talking like that. Da, 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 that I'm equipping you to go in and get the promised land. So for you, your promised land, the big house, the car, the relationship, the marriage, the new job, the business, whatever your promised land is, you're going to have to equip yourself with the tools to get it. These are some of the tools, a creative imagination and consistent courage. Those are two of the tools that you're going to need or else you ain't going to get it. You ain't because there's too much opposition out there. And it's not that the opposition is there that will stop you, but it is the fact that you will internalize that opposition and you will begin to feed your mind the negativity of that opposition and you will self-sabotage. It's that deep, y'all. Okay? So we determine our outcomes and our, and our future. Not the next man. But they, they, people didn't tell us that. When people talk about you can do anything you put your mind to, they ain't lying. That's the truth, man. For real. Well, that ain't never happened to me because your mind ain't never been all the way right. You ain't never thought it all the way through. So why don't you just, what you got to lose? Nothing, but you got everything to gain. So why don't you just go for the gusto for yourself? Give yourself, let's say all of, you can start out this week, all this week, all I'm going to do is think and imagine what I desire, period. Every time a negative thought come up, I'm going to cast that thing down. How do you cast out a negative thought? You say out of your mouth a positive thought that is the polar opposite of that. If you're looking at your bank account, your bank account ain't got a whole lot of money. You say, I thank God I got a whole lot of money in the bank. You can even go further than that. You can specify, I thank God I got a million dollars in the bank. I thank God I got $10,000 in the bank. Whatever it is. But you have to deliberately and on purpose take action mentally and when called for physically. Again, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that thou mayest, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, check this out. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So some of the stuff we God do this for me. I wish God would do this. He said, I ain't I done I, I created everything, man. You can make your own way prosperous. What you doing? I done equipped you. I done already created the stuff you desire. Your turn. It's your turn. Sometimes the prayers that you pray didn't get answered because God ain't doing nothing else. You didn't do what you supposed to be doing. So maybe the prayer should be, God, I thank you that you always show me what I need to be doing. And I thank you that I interpret what you be telling me to be doing for this to manifest. And it will. 
And over the course of your day, through your regular actions, things will come to you. A hunch, a hint. Somebody will say something. Somebody will cross your path. Divine providence. It will happen. Why? Because you're sensitive to the leading of the internal man, which is the spirit of God on the inside of you, telling you what to do. And you make your own way prosperous. Last verse, verse nine. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Listen to this. Be not afraid. It's God talking. He's telling dude, hey, man, don't be scared of nothing. And you can put yourself in the place of Joshua. Don't be scared of nothing. Well, uh, what about this? What about? He said, be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So if you feel some fear, one clue is that ain't God because he told us not to be scared of nothing. So if I'm feeling fearful, that means that it ain't God that's influencing me. He told me don't be fearful. Well, another little hint. Last piece, and I'm wrapping this up. So you got creative imagination, consistent courage. Now you need deliberate words and actions. Deliberate words. So if you are feeling some kind of a way other than what you would rather be feeling, you have to refeel another way. That's you doing it. Not your mama, not your spouse, not your boss, not your employees, not your road dog. You got to put that work in. Last verse I'm going to read is uh, Mark 11, 22, 24. You know, you, 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 and it's, it's just a, another, another real good one that, that talks about some things. This is in Jesus' answer. That, no, no, the story, the backstory here is Jesus was real hungry. He was hanging out with his guys, disciples. They was going from town to town, doing what they do, preaching, teaching, healing, doing the good works that he was commanded and put on this earth to be doing. So over in a distance, he saw a tree that has some, you know, tree, leaves on it. And in that region of the world that they lived in, you know, when you have certain, you know, got certain seasons, certain time of the year, certain things happen. So when you see leaves on the tree, that means the one of them leaves, there's some fruit up under there. So Jesus was hungry. He made a beeline to that tree. He got over there and got faked out, lifted up one of them leaves and wasn't no fruit up under there. It was a fig tree, I believe. So he was looking for a fig Newton or something and it wasn't there. So he was real. You know how it is? You go to the refrigerator, you had left half of your sandwich from Culver's or something, not knowing that somebody had ate that up though. So you go to the sandwich thinking you got to go to the refrigerator thinking your sandwich is still in there because you was really, really hungry. You had passed up some other places because, you know, you had some, quote unquote, some food at home. You got to the crib. He got to that carton and opened it up. The carton was gone. He went to the garbage and saw it was in the garbage. And all he saw was a splattering of ketchup that a joker used to sop up some of the bun with. He used the bun to sop up some of the ketchup with. So he was mad. And after that, he told the tree, no fruit will ever grow from you again. And the tree withered up and died. His disciples said, dude, after they later on that day came back by that tree, it was it had died. They were like, man, what you said? Uh, Verse 21, Mark chapter 11, verse 21, picking it up from them walking back by that tree that Jesus wanted to eat off of, but didn't have no fruit. And he cursed it. And the tree was cursed when they walked back by it. Peter, calling to remember, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Dude, man, that tree is messed up. Man, you said the tree was going to be messed up. It's messed up already. Jesus answering him said, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, this is deliberate words, you got to say something, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. That's the pruning of your mind of doubt. You got to get doubt out of your mind. I don't care what it look like. Get doubt out your mind. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So what you've been saying? So what you're saying? Uh, uh, what you're saying? What is you saying? Are you always talking about how bad it is for you? Guess what? It's going to be bad. Not that, you know, anything is against you, but you keep bringing it into existence by your mind. He said you're going to have whatever you say. 
He said, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So you can't be saying, man, it seems like every time I always do, don't nobody never give me, I never get a chance to get a parking spot closed. Every time I go into the store, I always got to wait in line. I don't never have no short lines. Guess what? You ain't going to never have no short lines. Why? Because you believe what you're saying. Then because Joker's trying to hold something against you, they don't even know you. You bring that upon yourself. The cool thing is you can reverse it. And bring some cool stuff on you. Start saying cool stuff. Me, myself, I used to say, you know, because, you know, I had situations that wasn't that fresh for me. And it seemed like, I, I would say that, man. It seemed like every time I take a step forward, I take two steps back. I used to say that jump. And stuff would never work. Applying for jobs, wouldn't get hired. Get that little letter of, thank you for applying for the position, but right now we've gone in another direction. In the future, blah, blah, blah. In the future, man, shut up. Kiss my behind. I wanted it now. So I came across the scripture. This one. And another one that said, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall with the fruit thereof. We don't have to go there. We're going to stay right here. But um, death and life are in the power of the tongue, they that love it shall with the fruit thereof. And that scripture changed my life because a light bulb went on. It said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I looked at my life at the time that I came across it. Stuff wasn't that fresh. I wasn't even working when I came across that scripture. And I said, you know what? If life can come, by what I'm saying, I ain't saying nothing negative about me ever again. I ain't saying it. All I'm going to say is when people ask me, how you doing? I'm just going to say I'm blessed and increasing. What I got to lose? I ain't got nothing right now. But if this thing work, that if what I say can help my stuff be better, I'm giving it a shot because I want better. And guess what happened, y'all? Stuff got better. Started getting invited to stuff. Got improved jobs. I began to even get to, I got to the point where I said, man, I want to make, you know, at the time I wasn't making nothing. So I said, well, Lord, I just, man, if I can just work in a, in a, in a, in a, in a mail room, I'll do that. You know, when you get desperate, you just desperate for anything. And guess what happened, y'all? I got a job offer in a mail room. I said, wait a minute, man. Did I, is that speaking, is that speaking thing working? And and I was in that mail room. There were no windows. I was in the basement of a bank. Tallest building in the state of Wisconsin. I was in the basement. And after about, you know, six months or so, I'm like, man, I want a place. Where I want to look out some windows. So I said, man, I got a job. I, 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 I spoke in the cadence of now. I went from my next job, I wanted to have windows, to I believe I have a job that has windows. I began to say it. Guess what happened? My next job, in very short order, within, you know, a year of me saying it, my next job, not only did I have a raise, I, like, doubled my salary, I also had windows. So now I was like, well, Lord, let me, let me, let me keep testing this. I said, Lord, I want a job to pay $50,000 a year. Guess what happened? My next job was a $50,000 a year job. So guess what I'm on now? <laughs> my confession now is I'm a multi-billionaire. Yeah, that's 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 my confession. So going back to that verse, it's verse 23. For for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be not cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, I am a multi-billionaire, shall come to pass, I am a multi-billionaire, he shall have, I am a multi-billionaire, whatsoever he saith, I am a multi-billionaire. Last verse. Therefore I say unto you, give me some more clues, what things soever you desire, billionaire mercedes benz c63 amg lamborghini aventator uh 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 rolls royce cullinan uh 10 bedroom house on fifteen thousand square feet and seven acres uh whatever six pack abs whatever therefore i say unto you what things soever say soever repeat after me say soever Soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. 
believe that you receive them and you shall have them. It didn't say believe that you receive them and because of racism, you ain't going to get them because people don't like black people. It didn't say that. It didn't say believe that you receive them and because you a woman, you ain't going to be able to get it because, you know, you got sexism. Believe that you receive them and you ain't going to be able to get them because you're too old for that right now. You missed your, you missed your chance. Believe that you receive them and you ain't got enough education. You didn't go to Harvard, so you can't get that. Believe that it doesn't say none of that. What it says is believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So when you pray, that means that when you come to pray, you can't be praying in a way that you think it ain't already there and that God is going to create it for you. No, what you do is you come to the prayer saying it's already created. I already have it. I'm coming into agreement with it already being there. I believe I got it already. Thank you, Father, for getting it for me. In creation, I'm here to pull it out of creation into my now. What things soever you desire when you pray, not after it, when you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So the recap is three keys for (sighs) elevated thinking and living are. Creative imagination, consistent courage, deliberate words and actions. And that's all we have for today. So thank you so much for listening today. Remember to like, share and subscribe to this podcast, the Communication Guru Podcast, the Communication Guru Podcast, the Communication Guru Podcast. Also be on the lookout for the Morning Inspiration vlog, which are inspirational words that uh, you can find on Facebook, you know, LinkedIn and Instagram, because sometimes throughout the course of the day, you just need to add a boy or add a girl to kind of keep you going to remind you of what you already have. My God. Finally, if you have a communication issue that you need assistance with, be it personal, organizational, relational or business related and would like a free 15 to 30 minute consultation or discovery session, feel free to reach out to me thank you very kindly and uh hey that imagination thing ain't no joke see yourself with it and then begin to wrap feeling around how would i feel if it were so physically and it'll manifest well my friends until next time thank you so much for listening and viewing blessing and increase to you bam